you know. <laughs> Hi, all, and welcome to Pitch, Please. Um, if this is your first time tuning in, welcome or welcome back. For those that have uh, been listening, we really thank you for that. Uh, we are Rebellious PR, a boutique PR firm, and we're just breaking down the walls here in our relentless pursuit of visibility for movers and shakers and a myriad of industries. So this is definitely seen through the eyes of our team here fellow rebel rousers, thought leaders, and free thinkers, so all on the same page with you. I'm here to help take you through this pod. Welcome. I'm Megan Jones. Um, please head on over to our SoundCloud at Rebellious PR. Download us wherever you snag your pods from. We're all on it, on the Spotify, on the SoundCloud, through your Apple. Um, follow our adventures, of course, on IG and on Twitter at Rebellious.PR. Um, and on our show today, founder and CEO Evie Smith... Hi. <laughs> um, and Rachel Johnston, our account director. What up? Um, we are actually recording in Los Angeles today. So Evie took the trip on down to LA, uh, to our LA office to come and hang with us. So we're super excited to all be in the same space, um, minus our angel baby Jay, um, who for listeners know um, is our account associate here. So really excited to dive into um, what we've got going on today. Our theme this month, of course, is disruption. Um, last episode, we chatted about whether or not disruption is good for business. So today, we're actually been going to be talking about uh, strategy and how to successfully disrupt your industry by really crafting a, a great campaign, um, You know, talking about when keeping it real goes wrong, right? Like what happens when you don't get ahead of the curve? Um, so we're going to talk about that scheduling the perfect release and um, launching your story, your vision, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, Rick, really, what what happens when you, when you don't think long-term? Like, let's chat about a PR disaster that just kind of, like, got completely out of hand and, and how, to, how to go from there for that. I mean, of course, like, it's like when somebody asks for a recommend, restaurant recommendation and you can't think of a single restaurant you've ever been to. But what, what comes to mind for me is... Um, when social media managers get a little too quippy online when they're representing brands, and then all of a sudden they have to delete tweets or backtrack and make a make a statement. So, I mean, I think that there there's so many things that can go wrong, or even m most recently we were just talking about this, um, the Victoria's Secret CEO after the fashion show made a, bun a bunch of uh, transphobic comments. <laughs> I like can't even get into it. Look it up online. Um, that you know, then other has it has a ripple effect that can can affect your brand. So yeah, it's not like we're not talking about like how Wendy's right has their shit together and is like those quippy little off remarks, the Twitter battles that they're getting into are like, oh no, that's like purposeful. That's like thought out. We're talking about just like disastrous open mouth insert foot. Well, I think you know the this also speaks to you know people just not being forward thinking about the things that they're putting out if we think about um like the fashion industry right now and how a lot of the high end brands are putting out things with blackface on them and like not understanding or like having the foresight to understand the perception in that um what i think is really interesting about that is i've seen a little bit of press around rebuttals um in, in some of those spaces i think uh, you know, like unpopular opinion. It's it's kind of a good thing to see some of the conversation that fuck ups like bring to light. Um, I think they make us better. I recently, um, so you know, not a high end uh, 
like PR disaster like Gucci, but um, Gucci. <laughs> Gucci uh, but Katy Perry released uh, the, a, a clothing line that had uh, faces on a bunch of different color shoes, and one of the pairs of shoes was black, and so there was this big outrage around the face on this black pair of shoes. And what's interesting is that um, about a month after, uh, I saw an article on Refinery29, which you know speaks to the demographic that Katy Perry is marketing herself to. And they essentially asked the question, like, is this actually blackface? Is this actually racism? And they pointed out that you know, this this starts a social discussion, but the shoe comes in nine colors. Black just happens to be one of nine colors. If the shoe only came in black or white, that would be a bit different of a conversation. But it asked this sort of open-ended question to the community, like, do we think in this case this is actually racist? Is this the same thing as, you know, the Gucci fuck-up? Like, do, you know, where are we... So, so my point is that I think sometimes these PR nightmares actually start really important conversations for the direction that we're moving in, and it takes a really smart PR team that Katie must have to make that call and, and dial someone up to an important media source and say, like, can we have this conversation productively, like, or are we just not allowed to talk about this at all because you know, this, these things are not the same. Yeah, I also think that like we live in such an interesting time um, where we're all learning about language every single day and learning about, you know, an, a whole group, a new whole group of people that we have forever, you know, uh, used phrases that were super offensive to them but didn't care or didn't know. Um, so I think more than ever, like brands are having to think before they speak. And I think that is really, really hard for some brands and specifically a lot of like rich cis white men with a ton of privilege. Uh, because that's part of what used to come with that privilege was the ability to be super flippant with the tongue. And now it can like take down your entire brand. Well, I can also think of another, you know, uh, accidental PR campaign that was that didn't have the kind of foresight that it should have that started a larger conversation. Like, let's talk about the Women's March and the pink pussy hats. You hear that woof, y'all. That's uh, definitely having some issues with that. Right, like the, you know, the, so the, the, the women who, the white women who organized this, this movement and then started this campaign and started sending out these like blueprints of how to knit these hats and like all of these women like jumped onto it and, you know, because it sort of happened in this like insular community with this singular perspective on like white feminism, there was not an understanding of how exclusionary this seemingly inclusive movement, like this, you know, well-intentioned but poorly executed um, idea was. And so, you know, I think that, you know, the, the, the good news is, is that it started this huge ripple effect in, in this conversation around diversity and inclusion and intersectional feminism specifically. But still it's, you know, I went to the Women's March in DC because I was having like a, a crisis in my life at that, like there was like a four month period where I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So I was like, yeah, I'll totally book a ticket to DC and go to this. And I knew that, that like I, I wasn't planning on wearing one of those hats and they didn't feel right, but it wasn't until I was there there, and I saw the people who weren't wearing those hats that it really dawned on me what was going on and I was 
I still think about that all the time. I think about the people that I saw there and, and I almost looked through anyone who was wearing the hat because like they didn't, they, they were not the people that I was looking to for like important alignment. You were like, okay, I know who the posers are here. Yeah. I know who, mm, okay. I see you white women. Yeah, I mean, same. I was at the Women's March, too. I mean, honestly, we didn't even know about the pink pussy hats until we got there. And I was like, I think this is a thing. Like, because we got there a couple days early. I'm like, I think this, there was something here. And then we started up looking at articles. And I think it's, you know, not to go completely off topic, but the pink pussy hat has so quickly become um, a symbolism to me of, like, what's wrong with white feminism. Uh, yeah, agreed. I mean, <laughs> let's just end and scene on that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I, I think all these are really great examples um, of when keeping it real goes wrong, right? Um, and really, I mean, I think it's overall, um, you know, communication uh, through various, you know, myriads of things. But, um, and I think that like now in the PR world, um, you know, it used to be, I think PR kind of used to be like the standalone thing, right? But now it is like the world is now blended. The communications world is now blended with all these different, you know, disciplines that are uh, kind of woven in, especially with, you know, social media and um, things like that. And, uh, you know, all the different strategies you kind of have to think of. So what can, I think we want to talk about things that people can do to like stay ahead of the curve, right? Because we don't want uh, anything to like get so out of control that, you know, it's, it's bad press. But I mean, there's that saying like, right, bad press is still, you know, you're, you're still out there. But I, I, no, I, I don't think that that's, that's good. But um, I think in the, the first thing is like staying current, right? Like making sure you're, you're knowing like what's in your sphere, making sure that um, all of those things are, are kind of on topic. And then again, I think clear communications with with all of the teams. Like, how do you decide what story you want to run with? Is that, I mean, in, in these cases, what would you suggest, Evie? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, there's two things going on. Um, one of them is, is I think it's um, having internal checks and balances uh, and I think ways that companies can do that is um, having a diverse uh, team and not just diverse in that everybody looks a lot of different who's in the room, but I think it's really important that everybody hire Gen Zers because they actually know what's going on online. <laughs> um, and I think that there's like probably one of the smartest, savviest generations to like ever kind of be like sprung onto the world. So I think, you know, really having having a, a lot of different kinds of people within your marketing department um, and, and having that, um, that internet, you know, whatever the current internet age is. <laughs> I was going to say Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, honestly, it sounds ridiculous, but I am daily reminded that people don't bother to Google things, whether that is just keywords uh, on, on the topic that you're looking to talk about or, you know, uh, like competitor products or competitor um, news coverage. I think it's really important for people to know the space that they exist in. And, and I literally sent an email the other day from someone who asked me advice uh, from a publicity standpoint. And I actually said, like, I'll just Google that for you. And I made a, I sent a screenshot of the things that popped up and what I Googled. And 
I hope the person who received it was embarrassed, but everything that she needed to know was in the first page of Google about whether or not, you know, what we were talking about was a good or bad idea. Um, so, yeah, so that's very interesting. Do the work, people. Like, come on. Uh, I, I think first and foremost is, like, you got to do the work. Um, and, you know, again, I think maybe that's that... Um, you know, oftentimes when we're getting in conversations with clients, this is a, a, the long game, right? Like you can't expect to have some sort of um, super successful overnight, you know, short turnaround. Um, that's just uh, very rare. So um, next, I, I think like maybe like timing, right? Like when when is it best to pull the trigger? You know, what because there are so many like a myriad of you know, various events going on or things that are just like, you know, socially like happening in the world. So taking all those things into consideration, I guess, like when would be best to pull the trigger on something? I think that the time to not pull a trigger and we can in this room can all speak from personal experiences, uh, Q3 of an election year, like basically just don't announce anything ever. I mean, I yeah. think even between the presidential news cycle, um, you know, or the news cycle around any kind of election, and then you're going right into the holidays. And so if you're looking to like launch a company or create some sort of company news that it doesn't touch the holidays and doesn't touch the election in any kind of thoughtful way, um, you know, don't launch during that time frame. But I, I think it's really important for communications people. It's, it's part of our job to do due diligence, to know when Apple announcements are, to know when Google I.O. is, to know when CES is, to know when there's these important shows that pull people's attentions away and focused onto one thing. And you can either use those to your advantage, launch news, drop, drop some knowledge on the world like we did at CES with, with Laura DiCarlo's open letter, or, you know, in a case that, of a company that we worked with back in Q3, like, let's not launch after an election and before the holidays. Yeah, definitely. Uh, again, doing the homework, putting the work in, that seems to be a, a little bit of a common theme here when... Um, which is like, it's kind of funny, right? I think about that as like being a disruptor is like making waves, but um, in a smart way, you got to be smart about it. Like you can't just like willy nilly, you know, come in like uh, the Tasmanian devil is what I just imagined for whatever reason. Um, so, so structuring that out timing wise, I'm curious to know, um, you know, kind of being a, a noob to public relations, right? Like it's always been in my sphere, but um you know, everything obviously seems like super deliberate, right? So what, like, what advice would you give clients or other people on, like, what publications to hit? Like, what, like what's the strategy behind that? Publications for what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think just like, like anything, like, um, or do you recommend, you know, I mean, obviously you want to keep it to like when to know to go like broad, like, okay, this, this news is like, I need to hit up USA Today. I need to hit up blah, blah, blah. Or is it like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody mentioned Ellen in this room. Um, no, I think that the, so let's take it back even a step. It's called public relations. And I think it's so easy for us to forget that, that consumers actually ever exist. So I think when you're looking at a launch, you start with your consumers and the consumer group and the demos, where they are, how old they are, blah, blah, blah. 
And then you kind of work backwards from there. So like, what are they reading? Are they, are we launching something that is only in the Chicago area or only in the Portland area, only in the Austin area? Um, USA Today is probably not going to care. And also if you were planning a national launch down the line, you kind of get one shot typically with these, these big publications. So you really have to save it and not get too eager and hungry too fast. So I think really keeping it to who your consumers are and then, you know, of course, trying to appease any kind of investor investor hits uh, with that as well. So like the TechCrunch, VentureBeats, Business Insiders of the world. And coming around the mountain. Excellent. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I, again, just, you know, kind of being curious about that because, again, like you said, you only have one shot and all I have is like Eminem song from 8 Mile in my head right now, guys. Um, maybe we'll play that in the background. Can we get the rights to that? I don't know. Um, but... <laughs> um, but no, definitely, again, being purposeful, being thoughtful, obviously utilizing any sort of, you know, potential press or relationships you, you are hopefully cultivating along the way, right? Um, so man, you've built up this really great campaign, you've got this really great understanding, you've, boom, you've hit the, the world with your news. Oh shit, how do you prepare for after that? Like you've spent all this time, right, preparing this campaign and woo, the launch, that's just like when the real work begins, I feel like, right? Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think that like, there's always this like leap of faith that we take as PR people. And I, th I think that's why often mark people who are just interested in marketing in general, including PR, they sometimes don't have the stomach to do PR because it's really like, we do all this work, we are as prepared as we can be, and then it's like we kind of like throw the balloon, you know, let go of the balloon string and, and hope that it gets to its destination because at that point, so much of it is out of our control and out of our hands. But I think, you know, like Rachel said and like you said, it's like the more research you can do, the more, you know, Googling you can do, the, the, as you, you can be as prepared as possible um, and really give yourself the best chances for a successful successful launch. Um, but things can still go really, really wrong. I mean, you just, you just don't know. You just don't know. It's, PR is a terrifying profession. I don't understand why people get into it at all, really. So confident in this career path I've chosen now. Um, very confused life questions after that. Um, most certainly. Um, but, but definitely, I mean, right, you, you, there's only so much we can do. There's only so much that's, you have to hope that, um, again, you have to hope that your relationship, I think like with your client is strong enough because again, that means that you've got transparency. You've got that communication. Your message is so tight. Like, I think it just stems back all the way to the beginning. Um, that again, is just this, all these puzzle pieces to make this, this bigger picture. So, um, that's, I don't know. I'm, I'm right on, on the nose with you there. So any other, I guess, advice for, for people who are out there, like kind of thinking about either getting into PR i.e. don't, apparently, according to Evie, um, or, you know, things that, um, <laughs> things that uh, people can do to, to make sure that, you know, they're educating themselves on, on the best um, use of their time when it comes to kind of rolling out the, the next campaign. I think that you have to have a really honest and transparent conversation with yourself about how important you 
or your product, or if you are your product, are in the world. Um, I think that there is like a, a self-awareness thing that happens, um, and I talk about this in some other like spheres of my life because I think it's really important that people are very self-aware about like the, the space that they hold. Sometimes you are not the superstar uh, that you think that you are sometimes, but you can still be something very important to the conversation that you exist as a part of. And so I think there's an element of knowing um, how to uh, crowbar your way into a conversation because you belong in that conversation at, versus uh, putting yourself at the front of the conversation. Um, I, th I think that that's, a, that's a th something that is lost on a lot of clients, a lot of you know, founders even. It, like We drink our own Kool-Aid a lot. Uh, and sometimes you have to know that you're not the most important voice in the room, but if you're invited to the table, that your voice is important there. And if you're not invited to the table, like that's your PR, right? That is like having the, the balls or the ovaries or the guts to say, I belong at this table. Can I have a, can, can you scoot over a little bit? Um, because maybe you're not going to be the keynote speaker at something, but maybe you will be a part of the panel or the fireside chat, um, or you'll be a mention in an article that is on a bigger, broader topic about this particular thing. Um, so I think, yeah, I think being honest with yourself and, and some self-awareness is a, is a pretty, pretty key, uh, thing to, to acknowledge when deciding how to position yourself and what's newsworthy. I think that's, no, that's perfect advice. And again, and I think because, you know, I, I think we, and I've used this, you know, transparency term a lot, right? But I think we are in the day and age where being honest, being transparent, being yourself, being authentic, um, will only pay off tenfold in the end, like, um, in, especially in this space, because people can smell the bullshit, especially those Gen Zers. They can smell that bullshit from a mile away. And, you know, that's essentially like, you know, kind of who we're catering to and who is on the, the, you know, that, that next space. They're, they're the future, like, visionaries, right? So um, making sure that we're honing that in and being honest with ourselves and with everybody else is, is definitely it. Well, um, amazing. Thank you guys, both Evie and Rachel, for being here. It's such a pleasure to be in the room with both of you guys as we're recording. I love when we're together. It's one big love fest over here, guys. Um, remember, do rate, review us. We want to know um, what your thoughts are because, you know, or we could just chat away at this mic for forever. It's really up to you. But um, again, rate and review at rebellious.pr. Follow us on IG and Twitter. Of course, on our SoundCloud, we're on Spotify. Anywhere you can pretty much download uh, your podcast, we're going to be there. So I'm Megan Jones. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll catch you on the next pod. <laughs>